So Reverend Lakshmi, thank you so much for, for joining me. I want to start by asking you something I saw um, in your interest that you wrote down that you have an interest in mind science, right? Hmm. I'm curious. I don't know what that is. What is mind science? Well, you, of course, know what it is. It's yoga. Hmm. I mean, the, I, the whole yoga thing is to quiet the mind, calm the mind, purify the mind, control the mind. That's all mind science. Whatever it is that understanding how the mind works is mind science. <laughs> Got it. I guess I, yeah, I just never heard that phrase before. And that, that's the science of the mind, you know, when you begin to watch the mind and see how it operates for you in your life, whether it's operating beneficially, beneficially or not. Um, so I, uh, yeah, that, that's probably my biggest interest or my biggest occupation is dealing with the mind. And I, I feel that it's a mental, you know, and, and, um, the hermetic philosophers say it. It's uh, this is a mental universe. The universe is mental. Everything is mental. That we're a mental creation of the all, right? Which is not different from what yoga says in some sense, really. You know. Um, yeah, the mind is very powerful, and. If you think negatively, you certainly will attract negative to you and you lower your, um, because the thinking has um, a frequency. All thinking has a frequency, all talking has a frequency or a vibration, right? And measured by frequency. And when the frequency is low, a lot of negative self-talk or hating or, or fear or anger, then you get on a lower frequency and that's when you attract lower frequency stuff like illness is a lower frequency. Um, lower frequency events. When you go, well, how did, how come that guy just walked up to me and hit me on the street? Like, what's that about? You know, it's like attracts like basically, you know, as they say, uh, cause and effect. And it's all that really. So the mind is an, at, at the beginning and end of everything. Hmm. So if something negative or challenging happens to you in your life, then do you analyze where your own mind was at kind of previous to that event happening? Well, challenging is one word and negative is a judgment. Hmm. So something could be challenging and not negative. Um, but to call something negative is a function of the mind. Hmm. Um, it's a part of the mind. The buddhi would say, Oh, um, I like, I don't like it. This is good. This is not good. You know, that, that part. So the question was again, would I, well, you're, you're talking about kind of when, when external things maybe affect you know the best word to use, but um, maybe difficult things happen. Maybe you, you were saying that that is a function of what, what is happening internally with yourself. 
right? I, I know I go back to the mind. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I mean, I do. I think, oh, why did I attract that? Um, but sometimes I just, you could just look at it. I mean, and sometimes um, the, the important thing for me is to try and not react immediately to something, you see? And, and that is something else. That is sort of like habit, um, uh, some scars and, and conditioning where you're re, it, it calls up something from the past, right? And then you, you react. Um, and if I could not react, which I have to say, dealing with my mother and everything and dealing with my sister and that whole time was very hard for me not to react when my sister would say, I'm not going to come there anymore because I don't like the way you talk to me, you know, and I don't think I said anything bad. I would react, you know, and because those two days of getting out of there was such so important for me to keep my sanity. Um, and then I thought, oh, oh, God, why did I react? And then I'll look at the astrology and I'll go, oh, look at this. This is right on my moon, this Mars, Uranus, whatever. No wonder. Um, and the moon is the mother and it's all about the mother. So, I mean, I mean, this is what I kind of do. This is how I play with the whole thing. You know, it's all a big game, right? You know, I mean, what, what, okay. So I've been through a lot of changes. I've been through a lot of changes. I've been, um, I was a, you know, integral yoga in New York has changed tremendously. And I was a majorly, um, involved there in the building all the time doing stuff all the time on staff and then all of a sudden they ended that for me you know the new ed and some people who had taken um some students actually that took um training um recently wanted that wanted the spot that i had you know uh the set they wanted to do what i was doing so that happened and, and and it was really happened in a horrendous way. I have to say, you know, it was really horrendous the way it happened. Nobody really spoke to me about what I do there, what I, who I am there or whatever. And, um, and it was just all, you know, taken away. So that required a lot of um, watching the mind and, 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 you know, the whole, I went through the gamut and even when I'm going through the emotions, like, you know, anger or whatever, and um, I have to get to that place where I can feel like I'm watching it and I'm not um, eaten up by it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I could have the anger and not let it eat me up, you know, or, or, you know, the feelings of sadness or shock or surprise or whatever. And, and then, interestingly enough, I was playing the gong uh, for a group of people in the house because I started doing that, which is working out really well. Um, and I, 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 it started to go in my mind again. And I didn't want that while I was playing the gong because, you know, the gong will amplify what's going on mm. here. So... And I was like, oh, come on, please. And I'm asking the universe, the guru, the goddess, whomever, um, why, why, why did this happen? And why do I have this in my head? And this is what I heard. It was the only way I could get you out of there. I'm sorry. It was the only way I could get you out of there. And I thought, 
But you see, that that's that's the thing too. It's like a, a universal gift somehow. Maybe I could start to switch over, you know, switch over how I view it, my perception of it. You know, people were saying to me, well, this this could be very this is a very good thing. Now your branding's not connected with them. You do your own thing, you know. Isn't this doesn't this seem to be often the case in life? Like we we go through things that are not appealing to us. You know, we, our minds don't want them to be happening, you know? And then at some point later on in the future, we reflect back and say, Oh, that was the perfect thing to happen. That's what needed to happen. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, you know, I mean, I have to say, yeah, yeah. I could look back. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what conclusion should we draw? Like, I feel like there's a lesson there for us to, to take if we, if we want it. And what is it? Well, well, yeah, yeah. The lesson is to not react when something is happening and to keep sort of an openness about it, you know, not let the mind go, oh my God, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Everything's going to be bad for you now. I mean, just think of all the things the mind could have done, you know, um, with that, you know, you know, and, and, and I could have done a lot of things against myself. See, you're not as good as you thought, or, you know, whatever. I mean, the mind could have done whatever it wanted, you know, so to be on top of that, really, to continue to watch the mind and how one talks to themselves. What else could you do? To learn how to not talk to yourself rudely. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like we're we're often like the hardest on ourselves. We're much harder on ourselves than we are on any anyone else. What what's that about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm well for me, I would have to say that I didn't hear that many great things when I was younger. I was pretty dysfunctional family that I had. And um either nobody was paying attention. And um then, of course, I probably did things to get attention that weren't terrific. And then the attention was negative. And then I had a little bit of a learning curve, you know, because I learn a little differently. And then I was called all sorts of names. And, you know, like I, 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 I had a, you know, each person in the family has a has a position, you know. And um, so mine wasn't. Terrific was more like a scapegoat or, or, you know, put all the Hmm. sins on that one and throw the goat off the hill, you know? (laughs) 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 What am I going to take? You know what I mean? I remember when I was in my thirties, maybe just 30, just 30. And um, I was sitting on my, uh, sofa and I, I was fine. Everything was fine. I was feeling great, you know. Then all of a sudden, I felt depressed. I thought, my goodness, what is that? What is that? And 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 I I realized that my mind was saying all these things to me, you know. And I, I looked at I had all these books on the shelf and creative visualization. I read that Shakti Gowan. I remember. Um, then. There was um, the power of positive thinking was on my shelf. I picked that up and I started looking at it, you know, and then uh, the course in miracles I got turned on to. So all those things 
helped me begin to watch the mind, you know, and, and learn about the mind. And like Shakti Gowan, she said, oh, well, look, you're creating negative. Why don't you just create positive? It would be just as as bad as that is. This would be really great. So why don't we just do that? We can do that. And I thought, oh, that's great. And um, so all these, all these, and I, you know what I realized? That I had a reel going on, a reel back here, like shh, negative against me, you know, like it's never going to turn out or you know, whatever it was. And I didn't even hear it, but it would play in the background. Mm. I think a lot of us have stuff that plays in the background that we don't even hear. It's not even audible anymore. It's just, you know, negative. I felt those months and years or whatever after that, that the job I was doing, because my job was when I had a negative thought to change it. I felt like this was the hardest job I ever did. And it was 24 seven. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Ali, I couldn't believe it. It was, I guess I was like maybe 29 or something or, or 30 or maybe 31. I don't remember, but, uh, you know, so that was such a big surprise for me. So I had to start to get a hold of that, you know, that whole, um, that mental thing, you know, and that's what I had. Maybe not everybody has so many negative thoughts, you know, maybe they have some only or whatever they've picked up and, but everybody has something. I mean, why come to this planet? Why take a body if you don't want to work and raise your, and you know, your vibration, you know, raise your consciousness, right? That That's the idea, isn't it? To come here, um, you can only do it through a body. You need a body to do it. Um, even the devas, they, you know, they sit in heaven for a while. If they want to raise their consciousness, they have to, they have to come to earth. They have to take a body. And then they could, you know, ascend to the higher, what's higher than heaven, you know, because... There is higher places, um, I suppose, uh, or they say. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, in the end, I feel like it's it's. I have to make it into some kind of game and just allow myself to feel whatever I'm feeling. And like with the death of my mom, her dropping the body. I mean, I was very encouraging her to drop the body, you know, that was my job. I felt like she brought me in. I used to always say, I didn't ask you to bring me here, you know, I didn't ask to be born. <laughs> These stupid things. <laughs> and how she brought me in. It's hard to break through the realms, you know, to go from one realm to another is not that easy. You kind of need a portal, you know, and she was my portal to get here. They were, both of them. And I, I felt like I had to help her out. She helped me in. I helped her out. And I helped him out. So, you know, okay, we're good here. We're good here. Like, okay, fine. You know? Um, I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, you know, I, I think you know, like the mind sees the power of it that you're alluding to. You know, what I see is it's trying to make sense of something that, from my perspective is so far beyond what what's capable 
you know, like talking about the portal as an example of like, you know, our mothers being the portal for us, but then they required another portal from their mothers, from our grandmothers and on and on and on and how many portals, right? And all these different things that are happening is like the main message to me that that I've been working with a lot is, is to just have humility, like with my mind, like, and there's that balance there be, between like wanting to know and understand like how things work and right. And like the different cycles of things and the ways and, and, and more and more, I'm at least letting that go. So I'm just like, I'm okay to rest in the unknowing. I don't, yeah. I don't need to know. That's my mind that wants to know. And my mind is amazing for sure. Our minds are so amazing. We can know so much that I often think we, we like try to convince ourselves that we can know like everything, like answers to like how the universe was created and what's really going on. And I'm just starting to realize that it's so much of a mystery that yeah. in order for me to find peace, I just need to let go of the need to know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel at this point now, I feel like, um, I've forgotten most of everything I know. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I could pull something up, but usually, yeah. I know Um, I've considered sometimes like if I'm so in the present moment, that the that I won't remember it later on. That in order for me to remember it, I have to like think about remembering it in the future, like planning that, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then you lose it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I know the mind wants to know. I mean, there was a point, I remember when I was younger, um, and it's an astrological reference also, but it's at a, at a point in, in, I guess it's in, everyone goes through it around their forties where they uh, begin to think, well, all this stuff that I believe um, about everything, you know, spiritually, mystically, this Neptunian stuff, you know, do I, do I really believe it? You know, all of a sudden you question all your beliefs. You're at that point in your life and, and you're questioning everything that, and, it came up for me like reincarnation, you know, like, and I've always believed it. And um, then all of a sudden I started questioning it, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, because they would say things like, oh, well, maybe the people that were killed in the Holocaust were also people that did killed other people. And, you know, there's all sorts of stories, you know, about whatever, you know, and, I just thought, you know, none of it became adequate anymore. Like all of a sudden, all of what I thought was adequate was no longer adequate. And I had to just leave it with, I don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. I don't really get it. You know, I I, I understand the principle of cause and effect. I do understand that. And, and they call that karma. And, and there's a lot of ways you can look at that, but And it's basically the same thing. If I have a vibration, I'm going to attract that. It's cause and effect. I'm going to pull in eventually. And I I mean, but I don't know. What do I know? You know, I mean, the truth is I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have a clue. I have ideas and I like to play with things and I like to watch things on on, um, uh, Netflix. And 
I watch all these stranger things, you know, like Korean things about, you know, um, hotels for dead people, you know, trying to figure out their life there, you know, before they move on, you know, finish up something before they move on. And, you know, just things like that, that are not from this realm and maybe have talks about energy or I mean, energy is such a big thing. And, and, and can we, cultivate the energy like in our hands and you look at these fantasy programs and they cultivate this energy in our hand but you know i'm a reiki person and i cultivate energy in my hands too i mean it comes there the energy comes these are spots even when you're doing yoga if you press your palms in you can feel an energy moving up like this and and you have a whole other posture you know so are those fantasy programs fantasy is that real? Is this fantasy? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I want to keep my light bright and I want to keep my consciousness high. And I want peace of mind. And the rest of it is, you know, I was supposed to be doing something here. I guess I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I always say, well, you know, whatever, send who you're going to send, take me where you're going to take me, whatever, you know. Um, in the end, that's what you, you're you left with. You know, what do you what do you say? Like, you know, I say to the all right, take my I say to the goddess, take my head, take my head, take it. Take it, you know. Cut the ego, man, because, you know, sometimes I just can't, I, you know, you have all these thoughts and you fall into something like maybe something that we were talking about earlier that you don't like or you think is unbeneficial and you start falling into all sorts of ideas and thoughts about it and you realize you got caught in some trap and it's like, oh my God, get me out of here. I just don't want any of it. You know, just take it. It's all going to like, happen how it's going to happen without all of my sussing out what's going on what happened what will you know you know just take it I give up I'm tired I'm retired I felt like I retired a long time ago from the job of controlling everything you know I'm retired you do it hmm. I think it's easier to do that when you're older though I mean, for me, it's always been, it's always happened when I'm up against the wall. Mm. In my life, looking back, I've always been one of those people that held on to the last breath. But now I know better, you know. Hopefully. Hold on to the last breath. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know. The universe wants you to let go of something and you're fighting it. You're not going to do it. You know, you're like up against the wall. You're on your knees already and you still can't move forward or let go. You know, that's what I mean. And then at some point when you're like that, you go, okay, I've had it. And of course that voice is the voice that's heard. Because that's coming from deep within, you know, that, that, that voice is heard. Yeah. Some people yeah, you, get there sooner. That's all I mean by holding on to the last breath. <laughs> right. So is it, is it like the, our lives, like the universe around us that 
they're trying to teach us. Right. And maybe that's what you mean is that, you know, it's like the same lessons will come up again and again and again until, until we learn. Right. And then, and then it will dissipate and then maybe something else will come that we need to learn. Yeah. Right. 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 But ultimately are what is, is the main message that we all need to learn to let go and uh just just to be i've been thinking about this recently is like maybe we all have the same purpose like what what if all of our purposes is just just to be and it's as simple as that could that be possible oh i do think that is possible yes i think that many of us don't know it, and some people think it it means to reach the top of whatever they are, are interested in, you know, and to get that kind of status in the world or recognition. And some people, it's that's really, really, really important. And they do it. Um, and hopefully that's giving them what they need and want. And um, but I think generally we're here to progress in consciousness. You know, that's why we're here. Some of us just don't know it. I mean, many people don't know it. And and some people get to know it later on in life. Oh, you know, oh, I did all that. It didn't make me happy. All right, I got this. I thought this one's going to make me happy, and it didn't. Um, and, and that keeps happening. And then at some point, you realize that, you know, it's just really being kind, Um Smiling at people, smiles are contagious, you know. Um, taking care of someone who needs taken care of, whether they're a stranger or whatever on the street or whatever, whatever it is, you know, really. And and so, I mean, I feel like what I do or what the universe has me, what does through me is helpful for people. It's helpful for me. I know that. And it's helpful for people. So that brings me a lot of joy that I'm able to do something like that for people. For, you know, that's joyous, joyish. Do you see it as like a kind of a getting clean that the, like do like doing this work within myself, like getting clean. And then the cleaner I get, the more pure of an instrument I become, which the byproduct of that is that I'm going to um be of more service to other other people. Like the cleaner that I am, the more it's going to serve others. Yeah, well, that's pretty much it. That's one way of speaking about it, for sure. And they talk about purifying the body, purifying the mind. And um, for a lot of work that, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I, I know like for work, if you're doing work that's considered healing work, um, or any of that kind of work in, in my understanding and my belief that this, the instrument has to be clear for the energy to move through it. I mean, if you've got, um, things lodged in places like fear or anger or whatever it is, you know, resentment or, um, desire, you know, all that, um, if you've got that really lodged up in places, then it takes the space of light. Uh, and if you could let that go, uh, maybe even for a half an hour or an hour, maybe during a gong bath or something, or a yoga class where you know you could just 
um, release some of that stuff and just let it rise up into the universe. The thing that rushes into its space is light and you become more light. And people will see it right away. People will look at you and say, oh, you know, they'll start talking to you on the street. You know, you'll get certain, yeah, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. Even if you don't notice, notice it. Other people will notice it. More light fills the body. Yes, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. I mean, clean, the word clean somehow, I don't know, bothers me a little bit. It's an implication that it's dirty, but maybe that's the accurate mm. That might be the accurate <laughs> word, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, just words, you know, like our relationship yeah. with words. Like it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there even like a, the, the other layer of, of clean is that like not accepting the dirty as not being dirty, right? That's like another way of getting clean. The way I see it is like like the total uh, acceptance. Changing your perspective? Hmm. You mean changing your perspective? Yeah, changing your perspective. Like, like there's so many layers to the cleanliness. It's not necessarily like what I what I heard you saying is like, you know, being aware of my relationship with maybe the areas within myself that I'm still, you know, having difficulty or challenging, right? Like in order to clean them up, right? I, in a way need to, to love them. Like I, uh, something Ramdas says he, about like his dark thoughts. He's like, when I have a dark thought, you know, I see the dark thought and I love the dark thought. Yeah. And then, and then, it, and then something happens. It like, it like dissipates. Yeah. Everything's here. Dissipates. Right. You like like it goes. Yeah. Like moving away from this, 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 uh, the, the battle mentality of the, there's good and there's bad. Right. Instead of just everything is here. Yes. Well, yeah. And, and they, Sakshi Bhavana, they talk about that, the witnessing, you know, where you, you, you watch, you know, you watch the thoughts, you watch the whole thing go down, you know, like you're watching a theater. And if you're really watching, you've eliminated the judgment part of, oh, that's good. That's bad. I want that. I don't want that. You know, um, I mean, that's I think that's that would be the goal. I would consider that the goal. Right. Um, I mean, to have moments of it is great. I would love to sort of or at least I think that. That just to be in that spot where it's sort of equanimity, it's it's just all what it is. You know, I think that there's magic in that spot. Mm. You know, and I think that when you're in the spot, everything when you're in that spot, I think everything is magic. That's what I think. So, yeah, I would love to get there and just sort of flow through that. Yeah. It's like, the way that I see it is like there could be some guilt or shame that I have within myself. Right. That comes up. And so I can see that. That, okay, I have have some shame here. And I can see it and I can say, um, you know, I see you, shame. You're you're allowed to be here. It's okay. But at the same time, I don't need to hold on to you anymore. I can I can let you go. Like it's like it's like that that balance there 
between them, not making it wrong, but also not needing to continue with it moving forward. Exactly. Or, or maybe to inquire about it. Like, um, why do you have it? Why, why, hello, shame. Why do you think you need to be here? Or why are you here? Or what's your relationship with me? <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. Now, shame is an interesting, um, you know, I went through like a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of violence in my house growing up. Uh, my father had this PTSD from his Holocaust experience. And um, uh, actually, I couldn't really talk about what happened because I was ashamed that something like that could happen to me. Hmm. You know, that that type of physical violence could actually happen to me. And it and I when when I realized that was that that was the case, you know, um, some light was shed on it. And then that could start to dissipate, you know, some of that, you know. Um, so I think around trauma, there's perhaps that type of um, those um, those feelings as well, you know, and it's not even like something that, okay, I'm ashamed. I yelled at my sister yesterday. I'm ashamed of myself, but it's not that that's, that's just, you know, I wish I would have held it together. You know, um, it, it's something much deeper or something, you know, and, a um, yeah, anything that's out in the open that, and it, I don't mean in front of a hundred people, but you know, we keep these things inside and, and we sort of hide them from ourselves a lot too. And if we could just let it out in the open, because, you know, the thing is, I think the idea that our feelings or our emotions could kill us, you know, sort of that, that, that might be something that people have, they don't even realize, you know, I mean, I think at some point I felt that way. You know, and I remember being really young and, and uh, in my 20s and stuff. And my go to was anger. Like I couldn't allow myself to feel hurt. You know, so if you did something that hurt me and of course I was fragile. So I would go right to anger because like hurt was because of all the trauma was not a, a, a feeling I was allowed to have. I couldn't have it. I would marvel at people when somebody would say something to them and they would just nonchalantly say, Oh, that hurt. And mm. I think like, God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so there's all this um, stuff to become aware of and everyone's got different stuff and um, yeah. And, and I, I you know, we, we, there's so many tools around, actually, you know, spiritual practices and. Um, yeah, and the right things come to the right people. I mean, you know, when you're ready for something, it comes right when you're ready for the guru, the guru comes. What is your relationship with the guru? Well. I'll say, um, okay, who's ever listening? The guru, God, the mother, 
Um, it's all one. Shiva. I feel like it's it's all one big thing like that. Um, I know from my first yoga teacher, Swami Bula Maharaj, I studied with him five years. I saw him every day, except when he wasn't around. I was one of his teachers at the time. Um, I didn't realize the importance of it at the time, of course, how special that was. I didn't know. Um, I was in my 20s and I didn't know. Years later, when I was like 51 or something, 50, I had been through um, uh, an illness, like I had Cushing. So my body, um, I had, you know, I had gotten hit by a car at some point. That was way before, but it all sort of, and I, I couldn't move at all. You know, I mean, I, 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 my back was out. They had me in all sorts of drugs. They, um, I had inflammation all over because Cushing's is actually premature aging. And I had this at the time that I was going through losing my hormones and they thought, Oh, she's just losing her hormones. Nobody could diagnose it. And um, so it, I had it for a long time and I was really debilitated. And then, and, and my mind was insane because, you know, this cortisol rushes through your body and your mind becomes insane. So it's that kind of thing that you can't do anything for yourself because it's like you're having a nervous breakdown every second. Right. And it's because of that now that I have no I don't have the luxury for, to hold on to anger and all that stuff because I know I can't. My adrenals are, you know, I don't want to push them. So I, I just have to let it go. But. Um, once I did finally get better and they put me on a little drug and the cortisol stopped and then I was able to go back to yoga and I was able to go back to the chanting. I did a lot, a lot of chanting, a lot of mantras. Um, I saw that my mind was sick and that's why my body was sick. Then I was able to get back into yoga and had I not had the yoga from before, had the guru not put the yoga in my body, because they do that, they put it in you. Had that not happened, I would have just been a big mess. But because I had it already, and that's when I realized, oh, my God, that was such a gift. Because I went back into yoga and little by little, and I was doing all this stuff. And people thought I was doing great yoga. And, of course, I didn't think so, because I wasn't doing half of what I was doing before. And I was just sort of trying to, but, you know, there was a lot of flexibility and a lot of whatever, but that's when I realized the importance of a master, the real importance of a master that this, and it was much later on, this person actually put this in me, you know, and, and here I am in, in such good condition now, able to get back because of it. So there's something special. I mean, I didn't have the opportunity of being in contact with um, Satchidananda. But nonetheless, I know that he's my guru. Yeah, I just know it. And I've had experiences, you know. Um, yeah. And, and of course, so the guru is not limited by the body anymore. And then anyone could come up to me and give me his message, really. 
You know, and a lot of times that's exactly what happens. And so why should it, like, I know we were in, I was in my ATT, I remember, Dijon and Ashokananda were the teachers. And Ashokananda said, you know, no, or something like that to me, like, you know, because nobody else was talking. So I raised my hand. He was like, let someone else talk. And I was like, all right. So no one's talking. And, and so Dijon said, did that bother you? I said, no, I think the guru was speaking to him. So why would it bother me, you know? So I, that's how I think about the guru, this ever-present energy, you know? I was thinking about it um, and reflecting that, that perhaps the guru is the one that, that we trust, that they love us so fully that whatever they say, we, we're willing to examine it. Because even though it might be hard for us to hear, we are, are sure that it's coming from a place of care for us. That's interesting. It's very personal, sounding, feeling. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes, well, of course, because what makes a person a guru is this, you know, ability to just be the love that they are, you know, and, and there's no malice there. And they're in touch with the energy, you know, that flowing forward energy. So things would come through them. And yeah. Because maybe the guru, you know, is beyond the place of this. I like, and I don't like, you know, people, I have friends and enemies, that sort of thing. Yeah. From my perspective, the guru has, you know, moved beyond that and sees the reality of the situation is that we're all connected. We're all one. And if that's the case, um, I can love everyone or I do love everyone because we're all a part of the same thing. And then maybe I can get to work. You mean you're speaking the, uh, as the guru right now? But the guru is, is then able to do that when they, everyone that they interact with, they see that you're my brother, you're my sister. And well, then, yeah, yeah, I think they're enlightened for sure. That that's I think they have like all this light. Them. They've gotten rid of what we were talking about earlier clean <laughs> we use the word exactly. clean and purify yeah i i they definitely have have that going you know um and, and and then they become like this magic little being you know or big being you know because they're in the moment and all this stuff just happens around them look at ama she's doing all these hospitals and all this stuff and 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 Sajidinanda, all of what he did and all the centers and everything, and all this stuff just happens around them. You know, because they've got some magic, they went into the magic place. Equanimity, right? We were talking about that. The magic place. I mean, I like to call the present moment the enchanted forest. <laughs> and um, when I'll go I'll put people in a meditation, I'll say, well, you know, we're going into the enchanted forest now. And then I'll, I'll guide them through visuals and stuff. But it's and, and, and that, that to me, that's the present moment. You yeah. mentioned earlier about seeing life as a game, alluding to it as a game. Right. And is that connected to like the enchanted forest? Like if I see this experience as I'm, I'm 
I'm a player in the game, then it becomes having fun. Right. Exactly. Yes. That if I see it like this is a game, this is the ultimate game. This is the total ultimate game. And I'm in the most direct control of this character. Right. And then now that opens me up to having fun. What makes more sense than to have fun? Yeah. 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 I was watching the show on origami and they were interviewing all these people that were heavily into it. And there was this one kid who became like um, a professor and he was a physicist at like 12 or something, you know, he was like some ridiculously um, high IQ and, and, and the man, uh, the interviewer said, well, will you continue during doing this origami? And he said, well, as long as it's fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there you have it. Spoken from a genius. You have to have fun. And this is, isn't this what our guru said all along, Sachidananda? Have fun. Why not have fun? Why not? And, and what leads us from that? Because I, I see it's so natural for, for a child. Mm. There's nothing else. There's only the having fun. In the moment. They're having fun in the moment. Yes. So what... What takes us from that from that place? And from, my, from my perspective, it's it's other humans and their perspective that no, it can't it can't be fun. It has to be hard. You have to do all of these things that you don't want to do, and that's it. Whether or not you like it, that's the name of of this game. This game that I'm playing is not fun. <laughs> well, you know, there's definitely that is out there. That's the teaching and, and maybe very much so in, in, in Western culture and who knows, uh, maybe all, yeah, that's, pers- that's definitely a perspective. Yeah. Because I like mean, you think about, if you think about schooling, right. That This is how I look at it is, is how, how are you spending the majority of your day? So we have children, the majority of them go to school. Okay. You need to wake up at this time and then all day long, you need to be doing these things and you don't really have a choice for most children. You just sit here, you take this class, you need to do all these things. That's like life. That's like, that's like life. So then I'm just, I'm used to that. So I'm going to continue that on even after I'm at school. you need to have fun doing that or not have fun doing that. You can either make it that it's fun or make it that it's not fun. Well, I think intrinsically, if you have your freedom taken away from you, that it's much more challenging to make fun out of that. That doesn't feel fun. And you're referencing like being in prison? Or being a child, which maybe is not so different. You know, you have very limited freedom. In school, yeah. I I, I think that I don't know. I don't know. Kids have fun in school sometimes, no? Oh, and sure. they have a great teacher. The teacher makes it fun. Yes. You know, see, this is the thing. If you have great people around you and it's a fun school and, and that's there. And if the school has that kind of, you know, energy around it. Yes, we want to make this entertaining and fun for these kids. This is a great way to learn. Um, then. Of course, it's it's more likable. I mean, when I was younger, I remember I touched it was kindergarten. It was in the South Bronx, and when we I, we still lived there, and we had recess. Right now, we had to have a head on the desks. I had my head on the desk, and there was a boy, and um, 
he had this beautiful hair. It was like kind of straight. And I don't remember the color. Maybe it was, I don't remember, brown or blonde or streaky or something. And I was touching the hair because it felt nice. Oh, I got in so much trouble for that. You know, I got in a lot of trouble. I got yelled at. And I remember thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was make nice to his hair. His hair felt so nice. And I'm sure he enjoyed it, you know. Um, I mean, I don't even know the kid's name, you know. Um, but that was like a very bad thing in, 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 uh, in, in 1959, I guess it was. So times have changed, I think. Somewhat. I don't think they're exactly like that in school now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Does Zen have dislike school? She just started, actually. Now she's liking it very much. I mean, she's just in preschool right now. She's she's three. She likes it. I I imagine, like, the later years, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Um, But, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You'll cross it when it comes. I wanted to ask you about sound healing. Yes. I, I've experienced um, some of your sessions and I'm curious, you know, any kind of general uh, observe, observations, reflections that you notice um the, the power of these sessions and the effect that it has on people that you, that you've seen from doing this. Of course, it depends where you're starting. If the person's really extremely nervous or upset about something, they may get to the place where they actually really calm down and maybe they'll just have a very pleasant, calm experience and the body will relax. The mind will relax. The sound will go into the, you know, cause the sound begins to uh, um, entrain the brain, you know, into a more relaxed kind of state. And that may be the end of it. Some people actually, they can't think anymore. And some uh, people have said, well, you know, I tried to think and there were no thoughts but they went beyond the mind. And that's definitely a place you can go with, with sound healing. So if you're already in a semi-calm state, you might get there quicker. I'm imagining all this, right? Um, I know from what people have told me, people have had all sorts of experiences where they've seen things and, and um, people have come to them. I, I did a, a, a sound healing here for a group of people uh, that they they all came together, and and this they've never had sound healing before. Only their boss had it, and and um, the woman said that her grandmother, I think her grandmother had passed, had came to her and told her something like important. I don't remember what it was, and. It, it changed everything about her. She was crying and it just made all the difference in the world. So the sound healing got her to a place where she was open enough to receive some message. So there's something very exceptional about it. It's much more than just, you know, raising your vibration. 
because it, it does begin to empty out all of that stuff that gets lodged in the body, you know, the fears and the, and the stresses of daily, let's say the whole week, let's say you have a whole week of like job and whatever, and, and you've got this all in your body and what to do with this, what to do with that. And then, then you come and you sit for an hour, you lie down for an hour and everything seems to sort of melt away. And then when that space is available, your own light fills it. And then something else begins to happen. You know, you can go a little further. Um, people. So there's something very special that happens. Um, there are a lot of words to describe it that seem pretty kind of mundane, you know, words in a way. But I think there is something even more special that it, it takes them to the next place, that next place that maybe they're trying to get to in meditation where they're just sitting quiet and saying their mantra, but they're having a harder time. I think the sound gets them there quicker. Isn't it amazing, you know, how much we're able to support each other on the path? Like, like you facilitating these sessions can have such an effect on the person going through the, the experience. I feel so blessed. Profound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel definitely feel blessed. I mean, I, and I get paid for it. You know, it's like a, a giant blessing. It's yeah. I, I definitely feel honored and blessed and yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. And you know, it wasn't something, I mean, I've always loved sound. I've always loved music. Um, matter of fact, that was my main thing, you know, um, growing up music music and um but it was really an integral yoga and it was chandra you know we we had my teacher came and did gong baths and i i set the room up and i became friendly with him and she put me in the first training i didn't have the money to take his training when he had a training there but she said no you staff it and that just opened up this whole door, you know, and now I'm going to assist him in teaching at Menlo uh, this Thursday, uh, Menla, um, the Buddhist place, um, the Tibetan Buddhist place upstate. And I mean, it's just such a, you know, who would have, I had no idea. None. If you would have said, were you thinking about playing? <laughs> no, I didn't think about anything. Of course not. You know, no. This is what leads back to the letting go that yeah. we're talking about. I think if we're really honest about the situations that we're in, we see that like we have so much less control yeah. than yeah. we than we want to believe that that we do, right? This one decision that someone else made to give you the opportunity to staff and that teacher decided to go there and then you went there and you were in a certain place to be open to the possibility and whatever. And then now that's what you're doing and so passionate about and and this, this is the way it is. So looking at it like that, honestly, what else is there to do, but just let go and enjoy the ride? Yeah. I mean, did I do anything to get there? Nope. It was not, I didn't do anything. I was just there. I showed up. I was there. I set the room up and, and the energies all, you know, came together like that. I mean, I didn't make that happen. I showed up and I was present and I was perhaps ready to have it happen. You know, I was available for it to happen. And, but other than that, what, 
and, you know, but it's been like that with my entire life. Like I was a hairdresser, you know, I, I still cut hair and, and, um, uh, I used to cut my friend's bangs like in the, in, in the sixties, you know, junior high school and stuff. Uh, the, the, the bangs were like, that was the style, you know? And so I was really good at it. Um, and then at some point years, a couple of years later, not that many years, but years later, a friend says, oh, come on, come to hair school with me. You're not doing nothing. I just came back from the Middle East and I was kind of like, you know, studying astrology, not doing much, you know. She goes, come to hair school with me. You're not doing nothing. And I thought, all right. I wanted to go to FIT, you know, to study art history. My father sort of wasn't supporting me and that. And so, but I wound up, you know, I, I went there and then I, I didn't do anything either. I was friendly with the teacher and his wife, mean man I lived with, was friendly with the teacher and his wife. And, and his wife worked at the salon on 57th Street for the rich and famous. And then I worked there. All of a sudden, there I am. It wasn't like in my head, oh, I want to work in the best salon or I want to, nothing was in my head, you know, as usual. You know what I mean? There was not too much there, you know? Um, and then I got, like, all of a sudden I was at St. Andre. I mean, we're talking, I'm handing him clips, he's putting in Bianca Jagger's hair, Lily Tomlin's lying on the floor, you know, making everyone laugh, and Grace Jones is running around naked. I mean, it was that kind of place, you know? <laughs> and and that was like normal day. That was a normal day, you know? Um, so I didn't, it was just, it just all happened. I didn't have to do anything. It just all happened. I was ready for it and it happened. And it's been like that my entire life. And, and I, I just, you know, like I remember I had a, a, a friend once who said, um, you don't do anything. You, you just sit there. You don't make anything. You don't do anything. Like I said, well, that's what I supposed to do. You know, like I didn't even know. Like he was definitely someone that was more like, you know, and there are those people. Definitely. And, and God bless them, you know, and they do it really well. You know, they have this plan and they go after it and they make it happen and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm mean, just never one of those people. It's neither good nor bad. It's just the way it is. You know, sometimes I think, oh, it would be great if I was a little bit like that, you know, business like or something, you know, like that it promote myself or something like that you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah yeah just staying open that's what i hear like that's all you're yeah. doing just staying yeah. open yeah yeah like right now i'm in a period where it, it's it's very heavy you know i'm going through a lot of heavy stuff right now um you know, I have moments where I get like, not so much, but the first couple of weeks after my mom passed, all this sort of the dynamics of the family, like, got real clear again, you know, and different perspectives again, you know, and, and I'd be a little angry and upset or hurt and like, oh my God. And, and then the next day I'm crying because my mom's passed, you know? So it's like, oh, all this. And then all, it's like, whoo, you know, like that. And then I had this brilliant, you know, 
Uh, my sister was born handicapped a couple of years after me. So she got all this attention. She got, she needed the attention. Okay. She needed it and she got it all. And I didn't get it and because I was, you know, like able at five years old to walk myself to school in the Bronx. I did. And, you know, people would even say to my mother, my mother would say later, how could you let her go to school by herself? And, you know, my mother would give him some dumb answer. She was like from a small village in Europe, you know, like that's how I did it, you know, or something, you know. Um, but my mother is sort of like whenever I would talk about to my mother, to my friends who were therapists, they, a number of them said the same thing. Borderline narcissist. Yeah. And. And I will say my sister's just like my mother and my sister hung out with my mother so much. Now, borderline narcissists, I'm not going to judge it, but I have to say these people are never happy. Even if they have fun and they, they can have fun for a few minutes and, but there's some kind of like something that, you know, they're just not happy. It's never good enough. It's never enough. And, and, and it's a sad thing. You know, I mean, my I didn't have a happy mother growing up, you know, um, and she was never and she was very hard to even if she was pleased for a minute and then she could turn around and, you know, um, off with her head, you know, from my head. Um, and, and, and I realized my sister's got the borderline narcissist in spades. You know, she's got a big time, even worse than my mother. There's a disconnect there. And she's never happy, really. You know, no matter what's going on, I see her. She's not happy. She's not well. And I, I, I've been giving her, like, you know, sending her to yoga, whatever, you know, trying to get her to be happy, you know, satisfied or something, you know. Um, and I thought, for the first time, I thought, you know what? I'm lucky. The universe gave me a gift by throwing me down the streets and telling me to raise myself because being around her, what if I was around her all that time and I would be this unhappy person now, mm. you know, what if that's what happened? What, what if, you know, being my sister was around her so much that she picked up her personality, you know, that's what she learned. She learned to behave this way. And she didn't have any other, you know, you know, there wasn't anything in her to rebel or something. So I was rebellious always, you know, it was never, I don't know. I was dissatisfied with everything with life. That's why I found spirituality because I wasn't satisfied with the mundane. Um, but what if, you know, I could be like that. That could be, I could be the person, you know, and I thought, well, I'm not, I'm a happy person basically, you know, I have, I know about intrinsic happiness. I know it exists and I know it's in me and I could call it up at any time. I really need to call it up. I could make myself laugh because I have a pretty ridiculous sense of humor, you know? Um, you found the gratitude there, I think, which is again, which is going to cultivate even more happiness, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I just thought, wow, that, that, let me look at it from another perspective. Uh, a friend of mine, or it was a neighbor, said that was something cognitive therapy. Everybody has a name for something, you know. And I said, what's that? She goes, well, that's um, 
what we call prakshi bhavana, you know, pratipakshi bhavana, you know, turning something into a positive, a negative into a positive, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I would have, I, I never had that perspective before. So just having that perspective, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not true at all, but it doesn't matter. You know, it gave me like, oh, okay, I get it. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you again. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. The power in just saying thank you. Yeah. It feels yeah. so appropriate to me. That's what yeah. I realize more and more. Yeah. They thank you. I don't know. Just and I think it's overwhelming, right? Like the amount of like meals, delicious food that we've all most of us, you know, have yeah. eaten and the people that we've had to, gotten to meet, the experiences that we've had and music that we've listened to, right? on and on and on it's like there's so much abundance like a nature has given many of us many ways so much abundance yeah and how to deal with that yeah you know, it could be yeah. overwhelming so i just tune in. i don't even want to look because it's too much to look at what's too much to look at how much abundance the universe has bestowed on us yeah I think so. To even like start like with, with a practice, if I haven't been genuinely feeling grateful, like just simply for being alive, like just, I don't even have to go to the other places, just gratitude for this experience of being alive, feeling that it is a special experience to be a human being just, just there, you know, it's, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, gratitude is definitely one of those, um, um things we should all keep in our pocket like a tool you know we're we're getting a little bit like low frequency low vibration pull that one out right we can i mean that that's a big one wear it as a plaque <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's definitely definitely yeah yeah what do i have to be grateful for and you know like i'm in new york city so i'm walking around i'm seeing people eating out of garbage cans and, and, and right underneath is a luxury building, you know, that that's basically what I'm looking at. And I see all these people in the park, which I walk around and they're, they're really strung out. And I, I, I feel like, Oh my God, you know, such gratitude. I mean, that could be me. It could be me. It could be me. It could be me. Who's to say it could be me. You never know. Who's to know, you know, um, but just, you know, I have a, I think like, my God, I have a warm place to go in the winter. Right. You know, I mean, during the last couple of years, there was a lot of people who didn't have that. Um, in the park by my house, Union Square, uh, Freedom Square, we call it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there's, there's really, you know, a lot to be grateful for. And then, and then all the magic, you know, all that present moment magic, all, all of the, you know, cause we're given all this stuff, but we just get so caught up in this idea that we're the body, we're the mind. We can't separate ourselves from that, you know? And you start to realize that you're so much more than that at some point, you know, and, and it's very freeing. Hmm. You're an energy, like a plasma, you know, that's um, 
been around before the bodies. Do you take it? It's a beautiful, um, yeah, I got lucky. I got a pretty good um, car here, um, vehicle, Vahana um, in Sanskrit. And I'm going to take care of it. I mean, I have like, I have been through periods in my life where I have not taken care of it. I have pushed, you know, that thing. Um, but, you know, I'm, I respect it. I'm going to take care of it. It's my instrument, you know, it's not, it's not me. Yeah, I'm going to drop it at some point. It's going to age. It's going to change. It's like an old car. Car gets old. You get another car. But to spend time in, in this place beyond the body, beyond the, beyond the mind, right? That's, that's the real, the real thing I think we're seeking, even if we don't realize it, to spend time in that place of, of, of the observer where I'm just noticing, I'm just, I'm just watching and I'm seeing that what I am is, is so far beyond this body mind. Yeah, this swarup, this intrinsic nature, you know? That, that, you know, this um, one guy, I love his book. He did, a, he wrote a book of, um, well, I'm going to go blank on his name, Hazret Inayat Khan. Hazret Inayat Khan. He, he, he brought Sufism to this country. He was from India. He was a musician. And he wrote a book on uh, mysticism and, and sound. Um, he says that when you speak from the mouth, the ears hear. When you speak from the heart, the heart hears. And I, I remember when I read that, I just thought, wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so simple, simply, simply put, it's beautiful. It's sort of like, you know, in yoga, we're trying to see the world from the third eye here, uh, not just from these eyes, you know, these two eyes. We want to bring that energy up into this spot so that we could see through that eye. Hmm. Wisdom, intuition, discrimination like that. Um, and, and and that spoke to me, you know, because the heart seems to be the middle of everything. Seems to be everything, really, the heart. I mean, you know, they have all these these, 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 they measure things now, all these machines to measure vibration and stuff. And, and they say that um, the heart kind of knows when something's going to happen, like vibrationally, the energy chain. I don't know how they do it. I really don't know. But they put so much more emphasis on the heart than the brain. Now they're saying that the heart is the major thing, you know? I think so. Mm-hmm. The intrinsic nature is the heart, isn't it? I think so too. I feel it. The soul, whatever it is. Send you love, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.